Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. Our scripture reading uh, this morning is found in Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter, and I'm reading various verses of this uh, chapter. They all have to do with parables that Jesus told the people. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his fields, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone who with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. Then Jesus said to them, the farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First a blade, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain opens or ripens, and as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants, and it grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for the promises of your word. Thank you for the teaching that we learn in your word. We know that you are a good and a gracious God, 
and that you love us and that you call us to yourself. We thank you that you plant your word into our hearts and it is powerful in what it accomplishes. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we study your word together. I pray that you would be with those today who are lonely, those who are in uh, sorrowful, those, Father, who are hurting and in pain. May they receive strength from your word today as well. And, Father, for all things, we give you praise. We give you adoration, for you are a great God. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a new addition to our churchyard. In case you haven't noticed, it's a garden. Anna Myers has put together a team to plant a community garden, and the harvest is to provide uh, some fresh vegetables for the food bank. So I want to say to all that have uh, signed up to be on the garden team, thank you. Thank you for thinking beyond the four walls of a church, and we pray that you have an abundant harvest. Now, in the scripture that I just finished reading, Jesus told three parables about the kingdom of heaven. Now, the common theme in all of the three parables was the planting of seed. In the first parable, the seeds gathered by the farmer landed on four different types of soil. The nature of the soil determined how that seed germinated and grew. The seed falling on the hard pathway had no time to germinate. It was eaten by birds. On the other end of the scale, the seed falling in fertile soil developed into a great harvest of up to 100-fold. So the lesson that we receive in this parable is that seeds need good soil to grow. In the second parable, a farmer scattered seed on the ground, and then he left it alone. And all by itself, the seed produced grain, first the stalk, then the head, and finally the full kernel. And when it was ripe, it was harvested. And so in this parable, the lesson we learn is that a seed has inherent power to grow. In the last parable, one of the smallest of seeds, the mustard seed, was planted in the ground. And when it was fully developed, it resulted in a large bush, or a bush large enough for the birds of the air to rest. And so we learn that a seed has potential far exceeding its size. Now Jesus shared these three parables in order to teach principles about the kingdom of God, which is also called the kingdom of heaven. So before we proceed, uh, we should have an understanding of what, of what Jesus taught concerning the kingdom or, or his concept about the kingdom of heaven. See, the kingdom of heaven was an overriding theme in Jesus' teaching. And there's a double emphasis in the New Testament concerning the kingdom of heaven. First, that the kingdom of heaven is present and active now in our lives. And second, the kingdom of heaven is not yet fully has not yet been fully established. See, Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist, who was a forerunner of the Messiah, who was the one who introduced Jesus, he preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then when Jesus began his ministry, he picked up John's theme, and he also preached and called on the people to repent, 
because the kingdom of heaven is near. You can see that in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Now, the kingdom that Jesus was talking about was not a political kingdom. Now, most people, even his own disciples, misunderstood his kingdom message. They believed that he would set up in Jerusalem uh, a government, a rule, much like that of King David of the Old Testament. And he would drive out the uh, Romans, and he would inaugurate a great, great kingdom, and then from that kingdom he would rule the world. But that wasn't what Jesus intended. See, Jesus sought to establish a kingdom in the heart, hearts of the people who followed him. So when the Pharisees asked Jesus about the kingdom of heaven, how it would come or when it would come, he answered them in Luke 17, 20, 21, God's kingdom is coming, but not in the way that you will be able to see it with your eyes. People will say, will not say, look, here it is, or there it is, because God's kingdom is within you. At his trial, Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. So Pilate followed this by saying, are you a king then? And Jesus answered affirmatively and added that it was for this purpose that he was born. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, it belongs to those who will admit their need of salvation, who will humble themselves and allow Jesus Christ to reign as king within them. They who live in the kingdom live out the kingdom principles, and these principles are found in his teaching. And if you really want to study his principles, go to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. That is some of the greatest teaching on the kingdom of heaven. But there's an, another important emphasis that must be understood concerning the kingdom of heaven. Those who are citizens in the kingdom of heaven anticipate a day when Jesus will return to finally establish his rule as we read in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven, which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So in allowing that the kingdom of God to reign in our hearts today, we're anticipating the final and ultimate revelation of that kingdom when our Lord comes and returns to us. So the parables on seed planting reveal the nature and the power and the potential of this kingdom. And so let's do some digging into the parables. So first thing we're going to learn about the, uh, from the parables comes from the first parable, the parable of the sower. The kingdom of heaven develops in the heart prepared for it. At first, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, the disciples did not understand it. So Jesus explained the parable to them. 
And the emphasis in the parable is on the soil. The four types of soil represent four types of heart, or four types of hearts. The hard heart was typified by the pathway. The tentative heart was symbolized by the shallow soil. The distracted heart was represented by thorny ground. And the fruitful heart was represented by good soil. Now the hard heart had, has no time or place for God's word. It is easily dismissed. And Satan erases any comprehension or memory of the gospel message. The tentative heart hears, understands, and accepts God's word, but the gospel message is soon forgotten or neglected when persecution or trouble comes their way. So this person only endures for a short while. The distracted heart also hears, understands, and accepts God's word. Oh, but life sidetracks them. The gospel message is lost in the preoccupation with problems and finances and the pursuit of pleasure. The fruitful heart, however, the fourth soil, understands and accepts God's word and goes on to nurture the gospel until it, it reaps a harvest of righteousness. And the transformation is absolutely amazing because once what, what once was a field of thickets and weeds overgrown has become a field now white unto harvest, a testimony to the seed and to the soil and to the sower. So the, the message of the parable is for us who have heard God's word and we've received it. And, and we must ask ourselves, is God's word working in me a harvest of righteousness? Am I allowing it to speak into my life and change who I am? And the question we could ask again is, which of the four soils would best describe my heart's response to God's word today? And then the second parable. Now that parable teaches us that the kingdom of heaven contains inherent power of growth. See, in the first parable, the parable of the sower, the focus or the emphasis was on the soil and the difficulty of the seed to germinate and grow because of the soil, the hostile soil. In the second parable, the emphasis is on the inherent power of the seed itself. The seed grows mysteriously. It, it grows quietly. The person who plants the seed or scatters the seed, does not control its development. The energy, if we can call it that, that which is alive in the seed, is in the seed itself. There's a mystery to how the kingdom of heaven spreads. Just as a seed in our hand is dormant, it looks dead, it doesn't look like anything, but it's very much alive because when we plant it in the ground, it grows. And so it is with the gospel. It, 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 it's a simple message with power. See, Paul wrote in his letter to the church at Rome, he said that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. There's an intrinsic efficacy in the gospel. When it is declared, hearts are changed and the kingdom of God is found. See, the promise of the kingdom, the promise of the seed is there will be a harvest. The kingdom of God will not be stopped. 
the seeds that are presently germinating in the hearts now will, will show kingdom fruit in the not-so-distant future because the kingdom of God is about a kingdom of growth, of hope, and change. And then we go to the third parable, and the lesson of the third parable is that the kingdom of heaven has an outstanding potential for its growth. In the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus uh, used a colloquial expression in order to show what the kingdom of God is like. He compared the smallness of the mustard seed to the largeness of the plant. Now, scientifically, the mustard seed is not the smallest of all seeds. And the mustard tree is more of a mustard bush than a tree. So Jesus wasn't speaking as botanist here. He was addressing rural people who would understand the magnitude of the change, of the growth. And as Jesus spoke these words, just consider how insignificant he was in the minds of the people who were listening. Only a minimal number believed that he was the Christ, maybe one or two, maybe half a dozen. And for many, he was just another flash in the pan. A man with a unique message, a man who was unique in all ways. But he wasn't destined for greatness, historical greatness. No one in that crowd today realized that in this man who was addressing them, in this man was resurrection power. In fact, he compared his crucifixion and resurrection to a kernel of wheat that falls into the ground and dies. And he said, unless it does that, it will remain only a single seed, but, but in dying it will produce many seeds. So if there was ever a mustard seed figure, it was Jesus. His was one of, you know, a small beginning. It was a time of small beginnings. He had no permanent headquarters. He held no political sway. He was not in line with the religious establishment. He was from a small Galilean village that was notorious for its backwater status. Yet here he was, and he would establish an eternal kingdom, and he would become the head of a universal church, and he would be the beginning of a movement that continues strong to this very day despite all attempts to squash it or to bury it and put it down. So the seed not only has intrinsic power for growth, it also has in itself a potential for growth that is far beyond its size and far beyond the number of seeds that are planted. And so it is with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will grow to a greater extent than what is planted. So what does this mean for us today? Well, we can take these kingdom principles and we can apply them first to the church and then we can apply them to ourselves personally. So let's look at the church first. For the church, the potential to influence our world for Christ is limitless. Where God's kingdom is welcomed, and where God's spirit is encouraged, and where God's people are willing, God's work will go forward in power. It will grow like a seed into a great harvest. 
See, God's kingdom doesn't need great preachers, and it doesn't need great programs, and it doesn't need wonderful praise teams. It has, all, it has within itself the power to change churches and to change communities. Churches that, are, that are, are ready not only to pray, thy kingdom come or your kingdom come, but to act on that prayer will have effects, have an effect on, it, on its community. Despite the doom and the gloom that we hear from the media that the church has done, the kingdom of God is not finished. The people that will, will allow God's kingdom to take root in their hearts can bring the kingdom of God into their communities. We can change our communities for Christ. So the message is don't despise small efforts. Don't dismiss the influence that each one of us has for Christ. Don't believe that Satan's lies that we are insignificant of no matter that we have no real role to play in society. If each one of us, if each one of us is willing to let Christ rule as king in our lives, king in our hearts, that is to live out his principles and, and to obey him and serve him in any way that we can, then we can be kingdom seed at work in the upper Ottawa Valley. We can make a difference. We have influence. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are seed in God's kingdom. And the only thing that stops God's kingdom is an unwilling, a distracted, and tentative heart. So let's allow the kingdom to rule within. And then second, apply it to us personally. Because the kingdom principles teach us that the possibilities of transformation are boundless. God who wants to reach the world wants to transform us. Wants to transform us into his image. And he isn't going to wait until we get to heaven to do this. He started the work right now. And he will continue that work until the very day we leave this earth. The kingdom seeds that have been planted in us will produce a harvest of righteousness. See, Paul prayed for the believers in Ephesus, chapter 1, verse 18. He prayed that their hearts may be enlightened so that they might see the incomparably great power available to us who believe. That power is the power of a seed. That power is the power of resurrection. That power is the power of transformation. It's the power of love and the power of self-control. It's the power to change the leper spots. It's the power to make us new creations in Christ Jesus. And just as a seed must die before the power is released, so too we find life in death. And we find, we find freedom in surrender, in servanthood, and we can find joy in sorrow. See, this power, this power made available to us is, is a power greater than our habits and our, our insecurities and our fears. It's a greater power than sin. It's the power of a mustard seed. We've all seen the, the seed, you know, get in between two pieces of stone or two pieces of cement, and that seed germinates and it grows, and there's power within that seed to, 
to actually push cement up and displace it. Because there's power in the seed, and there's power in the kingdom. So let, let the parables tell their story to us deep within our hearts. Small beginnings can have great endings. Little things, little things can have wonderful results. God moves imperceptibly at times, but he always moves tenaciously, and he moves most persuasively because God is at work. So don't quit on God, and don't quit on yourselves because the potential we have in Christ is the potential that is found in his resurrection. I think that the parable of the mustard seed must be connected to the faith of the mustard seed. You know, Jesus said about the faith of the mustard seed, he said, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move because nothing will be impossible for you. Do you believe this? Well, give a loud amen if you do. Do you believe that he wants to build the kingdom in you? Do you believe that he wants to plant the seed in your heart? And will your heart agree? Will it say amen and submit itself to the kingdom? kingdom of heaven to the lordship of christ let us pray father god we thank you for the great promise of the kingdom and lord as we have gathered today and we have studied your word i pray that today that in some heart a seed will be planted the seed of the good news of jesus christ the seed of hope, the promise of resurrection. Father, I ask that your spirit would do that today. And for all this, Lord, we give you thanks and praise. What a wonderful God you are. And we rejoice in all that you have done and will do in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.